Hello, hello. We have another VBAC story. We actually have two VBAC stories for you today. We have our friend Brittany, and she is in Oregon, and she has had two VBACs. And Brittany, tell me, so you grew up in Florida. Did you have your babies in Florida, or were you in Oregon when you had your babies? All three babies here in Oregon. I lived in Florida till I was 21, 22. Okay. All right. So mm-hmm. all three babies in Oregon. So yep. or- Oregon parents. <laughs> we are. Listen, listen up. Here is some VBAC stories for you. And I don't know if you will share along the way, but feel free to share where you gave birth. We have a lot of people a lot of the time, like write in and say, oh my gosh, I heard this story. I'm in the same area. I would love to find a provider. Do you know their provider? So if you feel that you want to share, feel free in your story to share. Who Happy to give shout outs. Yes. Where. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, Brittany, she's a stay-at-home mom with her three children and they are all under the age of four. Right? Four and under. Yep. Three, our oldest, our oldest will be... Under. Yeah, our oldest will be five at the end of June. Yay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you are busy. And yes, we not are. only are you busy with three beautiful children, you have created an amazing business. And I just want you to share a little bit about this because I think a lot of people will for sure want to go check you out and make sure to know that if you guys miss it while you're driving or something, the link for all of her stuff will be in the show notes. So yeah, Brittany, tell us a little bit about your clothing line. That's so kind. Thanks, Megan. Um, I don't know if it'll come up in conversation, but I had a really, really tough go at breastfeeding all mm-hmm. three babies, but especially my first really self-conscious nursing in public. I got into sewing at home and just had the inspiration to create my own line designed for breastfeeding. I have three pieces currently. They're all ethically made in my husband's home country of Peru. And we use organic Pima cotton, which is the world's finest cotton. Oh, I'm yeah. working on two new designs, a jumpsuit and a sweater that will hopefully it's called slow fashion for a reason. It's taken forever because I just want to get it. I, I need to, I need to let go of the perfectionism, but no, but it's, but at the same time, it's your baby and you yeah, want it's it my fourth baby. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Maybe fifth if you count my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And um, I would even be happy to provide a discount code special to the listeners of this podcast. But yes, it's called New Nui, N-U-N-U-Y Nursing Apparel. Um, I have an Instagram that I wish I could be more active on, but I have all these babies. You have three kids under the age of four. (laughs) Yes. So so I will get there. I will get there. The baby's going to be a year old next month. So yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important. I mean, as one entrepreneur to another, I think it is so important to be able to share, especially this is something that's really, it does apply to all of our moms out there, right? Who want to breastfeed. So, well, thank you. Okay. Well, we will, yeah, yeah. We'll get into a review and then we'll get sharing these baby stories because obviously they're all amazing. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we have a review and it was on Apple podcast from Sid Mobley. This is grateful to have found the VBAC link. I was recently able to have a successful home VBAC. So HBAC, H-B-A-C, do um, a large part of Megan and Julie and the stories of the ladies featured in the VBAC link. I cannot say enough about the comfort I found knowing that I was not alone in what I was doing and going through. 
that so many ladies had come before me and found peace in their empowered birth. What a lifesaver these testimonies were for me. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And, you know, I, we were talking about this before. I wish, I mean, there were birth story podcasts and things like that out when I was going for my VBAC after two cesarean birth. I wish so much that there was something like this that was more specific to VBAC and something that I could relate to and not feel alone, just like Sid, right? Because the VBAC world can feel very lonely, right? It can feel really lonely. And then if you're in an area that's really not supportive, I mean, I felt lonely in Utah where VBAC is supportive. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine how those feel who are in rural areas or non-supportive areas or even where there's VBAC bands where they feel right. Like the bands blew my mind. Uh, Someone made a comment to me when like, they let you have a VBAC. And I was like, let me. me. (laughs) Yes. You're like, hold on, hold on. We're not, no, no one let me. Right. Yes. But so many people feel so stuck and that they have no option. And if, you know, financial means or whatever are not to a place where you can just pick up your family or yourself and go to another state and have a baby, that can really be terrible. So anyway, thank you for your review, Sid. I really appreciate it. And as always, if you love the podcast as well, we'd love your review. You are tuned into the VBAC Link Podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Hi guys, Megan here. I'm not sure if you knew, but I'm a vaginal birth after two cesarean mama myself. Preparing for my VBAC was tough due to the lack of evidence-based info back then, along with where to find it. Which is why I, along with Julie, created this podcast and our signature course, How to VBAC. The course is self-paced so you can watch it whenever your kiddos are sleeping or even at school. It's filled with evidence-backed data, tips and advice to help you go after the birth you want and achieve your VBAC. You can find the link to the course in the show notes today or type in the browser, thevbacklink.com slash vbac-class. Okay, Brittany, let's share these baby stories of yours. Thank you. Um, I do just want to start by saying thank you for inviting me here. Um, It feels really surreal to tell my, I also never thought I'd have three babies, but to tell three stories on this podcast that literally gave me all the strength and guidance Mm -hmm. I needed to get through my VBACs. Um, So we always have a VBAC story because of the cesarean birth story. I had a primary cesarean with our oldest, Olivia. The pregnancy was so easy. And I did feel like one of those women that are like, you're just glowing and everything's fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. But around 28 weeks, my well-established OBGYN told me she was breech. 
I didn't really understand what that meant. And then I kind of, I'm a very anxious person. So I went into like full on research mode. mode. Yes, yes. Uh, You don't really think about cesareans. I was more terrified to get the epidural because I hate needles. Um, So I did try everything. I followed spinning babies techniques. I was tortured with needles in my pinky toes and moxa uh, with an acupuncturist. I did chiropractic orders. Yes, yes. I laid upside down on an ironing board. I did inversions on the stairs and she just was determined to come into the world feet first. My OB wanted me to schedule cesarean for 39 weeks. I somehow talked her into going to 39 weeks and five days. Her due date Mm -hmm. fell on a Sunday and they kind of refused. I'm going to put this in air quotes. They refused refused to let me go past 40 weeks. If I knew what I knew now. So we did it on a Friday, super early in the morning. I was so terrified. They would not let my husband in for the spinal injection. So thankfully I had established rapport with my doctor. She held my hand through the whole thing. The epidural, well, the spinal was done. They did all the things. I had written a gentle cesarean birth plan, but unfortunately they, doctor, my doctor followed most of it, but her colleague just started Mm. like chit-chatting her up, asking about summer plans and I'm, I wish I had had the, the, I don't want to say guts, but like, I wish I had just spoken up for myself and said, ability. Yeah. Well, this is my baby's birth. Can you just walk me through what's happening? Cause it's so bizarre for half your body to feel numb. And my heart was racing and yeah. oh my goodness. So baby was born. Everything was fine. They did take her from me and wiped her all off before they gave her to me. Um, but while the experience wasn't traumatic, like rushing into the OR, it was planned. Mm-hmm. The actual cesarean experience was pretty traumatic for me. And I'm sure some of that still carries on in my nervous system today. But because of that experience, I was just, we knew we were going to have a second. And I just knew I was like, I'm never going through that again. I found your podcast, started preparing. And about 13 months after our first was born, I got pregnant with our second. Mm-hmm. started out with the same care team, but my doctor had moved on and then you get rotated around. So I stayed for the first trimester, but every new midwife or OB that I got, they were just saying all these bad things about VBAC. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is not the place for me. I know for you for recognizing that. <laughs> yeah. It it's was, really it's a hard to place switch. to be. Yeah. yeah. It's really not. It's daunting. Like it's yeah. scary, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So I do live in an amazing place with very supportive providers, lots of options. We have several freestanding birth centers. There are birth centers in hospitals with midwives. So I chose to do an out-of-hospital birth center. Uh, The birth team there is called Alma Midwifery, and they're just like right in Southeast Portland. So they had four midwives at the time. Also, appointments were like an hour long. They cared about Mm. you and asked you questions. The OB appointments were just so fast. Mm -hmm. You forget to ask things. It's kind of like a whirlwind. Um, So much different, slower pace. You feel really involved. and Really, really cared for. So different. I wish I'd known about so much of this, but I, my husband always says hindsight's 2020. And um, so you just work with what you got. So this pregnancy was really bad with nausea in the beginning. So I kind of had this feeling, I hope it's a boy because we already had a girl. We're having two. So we thought. One girl, one boy. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. Yeah. He stayed head down, found him at his anatomy scan head down. He stayed there the whole time, which was awesome because I was so worried about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another breech baby. 
And I naturally went into labor at 40 weeks and two days. It was pretty early in the morning. I went to the bathroom. I had been having like, I don't love the word Braxton Hicks, like practice contractions. And when I wiped, I had some blood tinged mucus and I just, I just knew it was different. Yeah. So called my mom. She came over to be with our oldest touch base with the midwives. They actually came and did a home visit to check on me and baby Mm -hmm. first and then said, okay, let's meet at the birth center in a few hours. I was already experiencing like contractions where I had to hold on to something and couldn't talk and breathe through it. So I think that kind of psyched me out. And I was like, if it's this hard right now, what's going to happen in active labor? So I, I really did trip myself out that way, but we got to the birth center, which was so lovely. They had the bath ready for me. I was in and out of the bath, but after struggling pretty hard, I think I was in labor at this point, 15 plus hours Um, I asked for a cervical check. They hadn't even offered or touched. So I was at seven, which was pretty exciting. Yeah, Yeah. really exciting. First time I'd been in labor. I didn't labor with our first. However, things started to get really, really difficult. And I had double peaking contractions for hours Mm -hmm. on end. So I was getting a break. Not even close. And oh, Megan, I lost my doula because of COVID. So they stopped. They stopped letting people come in to the hospitals as a guest Guest. or visitor. And I'm putting that in quotation marks because I feel every single birthing woman on this planet deserves support. It's not a visitor. It's part of your birth team. It's essential. I agree. I know. I was was the doula on the other end during COVID, dropping people off at the door, just bawling my eyes out like because you feel so invested yeah well I don't you know or like feeling very angry because someone was like hey like they just told me you could no longer be with me and I'm like gosh but I mean our hospital did start uh finding that people were dropping the hospital good so they started making doulas essential so that's what they were like they are essential to this so essential yeah Mm -hmm. yes that is Um, so hard though to have that plan and then lose. yeah yes oh and I guess I should backtrack just slightly so I hired a birth photographer because that was super important to me and I hired a doula yeah so the company my doula was working for offered like virtual services but I'm like what I'm gonna end up throwing the computer at the wall yeah it's really hard yeah I want hands-on I needed I wanted to be touched I wanted to be talked through it. So I I did lose our doula. But uh, anyway, so um, I really believe that if she had been there, it might have been a little, it would definitely have given me a little more strength because nobody was there to kind of just be like, you can do this. Like you're actually, yeah, you're a cheerleader. And her husband probably needed her too. He needed, yeah, doulas are totally for the partners. Wow, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because sometimes they feel lost and just don't know what to do. Yeah. When I was going through contractions, I just started like rhythmically tapping on things. And I wasn't counting out loud, but I would like count in my head because it just helped me feel really present and grounded. Like I was in control of something. Yeah. But that tapping and counting in my head turned into like pounding on the Uh. wall. And I, every time I knew that second surge was coming, my butt would just, just Oh, I just couldn't relax. I, and I had had some glute pain throughout the pregnancy. And at this point it felt like there was just electric shocks going down. My legs. Yeah, it was, it was, I don't want to scare anybody, but it was so just taxing that I 
literally like begged to transfer to the hospital. Yeah. Um, took a lot longer to get that call back from the hospital than I expected. When I first asked to transfer, by the time we got there, it'd been like four hours had passed with these double contractions. It was awful, Megan. So midwives also couldn't transfer with me because of COVID. So my Mm. husband and I were on our own. With a new team. Yeah. Just the two of us there. We, we get to the hospital anesthesiologist was busy. So even if you transfer, it still takes a long time to get your epidural. So Um, prepare for that mentally for sure. Yes, absolutely. I also forgot to mention, they gave me some of the laughing gas at the. Oh, nitrous oxide. It did not help. It just, I think I was just too deep into it to get my rhythm back, unfortunately. And um, I prepared so much physically for the VBAC that I didn't, I really didn't take the time to prepare as much mentally as I could have. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get to the hospital. I go, I get in, they all hook me up to the IV. The nurse offered me fentanyl. She said it would take the edge off. Mm-hmm. So Even I took at it seven but, centimeters. I'm shocked. Yeah, it was brutal. I shouldn't, I, I wish I hadn't have done it. It made me so dizzy and really disoriented yeah. and even kind really foggy. Yes. And I hadn't eaten since that morning. And here we are at seven o'clock at night, seven 30 at night. Yeah. So we're, we're moving on. Everybody's like, Oh, you transferred from the birth center. I just, at some point I wanted to like slap somebody. I'm like, can we just let me have my baby instead of telling me where I came from? I know you're that like, I transferred to the hospital. Like, I just came here to have a baby. That yeah, is where just, I came from. Let's just do here. this. Yeah. Um, but I really, Megan, I feel like I should have just gone in with this flashing neon sign, danger, V-back, danger, really? V-back. Um, they, so they, I got the epidural place, had all the machinery hooked up. And if you're not breathing well, or if you move a little too much, those machines get so wonky Mm -hmm. and they wanted to break my bag of waters to put the little internal monitor on. Uh I really educated myself when I knew our doula wasn't coming. I made a hospital birth plan. I made a backup cesarean birth plan. Yeah. So we really just advocated for ourselves. We declined the monitor they ended up bringing in closer to like full dilation piece of paper saying I had a 79% success rate for my VBAC. Here's, here's in the, the middle of labor, you're at yes. seven centimeters. I think at this point it might've been nine because she checked me and wanted oh. to break my bag of, my bag of waters hadn't broken yet. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. So I happily signed saying, I do not want to repeat cesarean. They gave me the risks. Uh, they did give the risks of VBAC and a repeat C-section, which most people don't talk about the risks for both. Good. Yeah, both yeah. carry risk. Yep. So I agreed to let them break my bag at nine centimeters. There was some meconium in the water. My poor baby had just been just put through the ringer with these yeah. double contractions. So yeah. she tells me, let's do a practice push. And when I did that, I just felt like my stomach acid come up into my throat. I was mm-hmm. so exhausted, Megan. And I was just like, I'm going to end up in the OR. I'm not going to be able. I just was like ready to just give just up. felt defeat. Yeah. And my husband was so tired, but re- still there the whole time. But um, I did again advocate for myself. And I was like, look, you guys have been in and out of this room. I've had zero rest. I've been in labor for over 24 hours. Yeah. Can I please? And she said, we'll give you an hour. But someone was probably in every 15 minutes because they were getting all the birth stuff ready and there was meconium in the water. So they were prepping the NICU team. Somebody was supposed to be there for the actual birth to make sure he didn't need to be suctioned. So they let me rest, but I didn't really rest. 
Then the midwife comes back in and says, since this is your first vaginal birth, we're going to prepare to push for like two to three hours. And I was like, nope, (laughs) that's not happening. I had this whole vision of me birthing the baby. It was not in a supine position, both my legs in the air, a nurse on one side, my husband on the other. And she's telling me, hold your breath, push as hard as you can. So they call it purple pushing because like your face goes purple. You get yes. So thankfully, my son's name is Enrique. Thankfully, he handled the pushing really well. I got him out in 45 minutes. Which is awesome. Um, Yeah. The weird thing was my poor little guy, he had a really rough start. So the midwife had stepped away. I must have watched dozens of birth videos. Mm -hmm. So the baby's crowning. She asked if I want to touch his head, which was actually such a really, it gave me so much more strength. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm right there. I know Mm -hmm. I can do this. So I, they turn the epidural off when you start pushing. And so I, I got to feel all that pressure. It felt like I needed to take a really big poop and it was kind of scary. So as he's crowning, I could just feel everything stretching and I don't know why, but she stepped away and we had been doing like three pretty valiant pushes. We, I (laughs) was doing like three valiant pushes with each contraction. And I hated that feeling of him just sitting right there and I needed him out. And usually just the head is born. So I gave a fourth push, even though the midwife had walked away and my little boy just came (gasps) out. Nobody Uh there to catch him. (laughs) Oh my goodness. His cord was so long and I'm so grateful because they take the bottom of the bed off. And what yes. if he's fallen on the floor? So my did he little stay dude, on the bed? He did. He, we did, oh. he did not fall. My poor little guy. But he just screamed and screamed for like a whole hour. Didn't want to breastfeed. Um, the staff wasn't super duper attentive, but the recovery from that birth was just so much different. I... I had some pelvic floor damage, which I'm still I'm still dealing a little bit with it today, but it's because yeah. I've had back to back to back babies. Yeah. Um, and I really do think that that like athletic pushing just did a might not have been the sole cause, but it did some damage. Um, yeah. My pelvic floor. Yeah. So after his birth, uh, my husband got a vasectomy. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Are you gonna mention what happened after? Before the yeah. Okay. So yes. crazy. Uh, so November, 2020, um, he got a vasectomy. We were just two babies. That's it. Boy, girl, a couple months go by. He's taken his samples back to the lab and they're like, you still have lots of activity and it's really plentiful. And I'm just like, how does this seem? <laughs> like, how does this happen? Oregon is a great state though. Uh, they cover, um, sterilization at hundred percent when you have health insurance. So at least we didn't have to pay a ton of money to have it done. But um, as odd as it sounds, I just kind of felt like I questioned everything in my life. I have two siblings. My husband, Gonzalo, has two siblings. And so just literally joking, Megan, one night I said, I think I want another baby. And I thought he was going to say, like, no, we got a vasectomy for a reason. Why, Why would we go for a third? And he was like well, we probably would need a bigger car. And if it's a boy, they have to share a room with Enrique. If it's a girl, share. So he started talking about all these things. And I was like, Like the logistics of it, What? Like almost like he's thought about it before. Yeah. So it took us a couple months and then we agreed to have one more baby. And I never, ever thought I would have three children ever, but our little girl just 
really wanted to be here. So we did get pregnant with our third. This was by far my hardest, most unpleasant pregnancy. Mm. Um, I gained a ton of weight, but I was nauseous almost to the end of the second trimester. Oh, awful. And so I'm actually really glad I don't have to, I'm going to miss having life inside my belly because it's just amazing. But that pregnancy was rough enough that I'm like, okay, I think we're, that's good. I'm You're satisfied. Like, and let's I'm make sure satisfied. the vasectomy is 100% that's this right, time. That's right. <laughs> so this time around, as I stated in my earlier, in my VBAC birth story, I prepared so much physically. Yeah. So this time, unfortunately, I the weight gain got the best of me, but I was really dedicated to mental preparation. Yeah. And I chose a home birth midwife team. Their names are Alicia and Nicole, and they're with Flourish Midwifery, also in Portland. Amazing home birth midwives. And I started with them really early on. And my whole deal with this home birth was I changed my language. I stopped using contractions. I said surges. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I was just using different terms to describe birth. And I went in just feeling like this doesn't have to be scary. This could be an amazing experience. And, you know, surges just feel like really intense period cramps and you can literally feel the energy coming down. I don't know if you're a Bruno Mars fan, but uh, his 24 karat Mm. magic song was like, don't fight the feeling, invite the feeling. So I just kept saying like, I can do this. So I really, I have a friend, she's a a hypnosis coach turned friend um, and she does hypnobirthing. So my husband also wasn't super involved in the prep for Enrique's VBAC. But he was very involved with this one. So I did hypnobirthing with my friend Christy. Her business is called Enter Into Calm. Um, she's also local-ish. She's a couple hours away from me here in Oregon. So I I just meditated to their rainbow. It's hypnobirthing to the rainbow relaxation every day. Mm-hmm. Listen to birth affirmations, like literally in the car, back and forth, anywhere I was going. Ina May's spiritual midwifery book. I rented it from the library three times and I read all those birth stories. That's, I just, it was just like, I dedicated myself so much to all these positive, amazing birth stories and just gathered that collective strength and was like, I, I, I just truly felt it in my bones. I was like, I got this. And then 36 weeks, I go, I had an anterior placenta and I didn't feel Sophia is her name. I didn't feel Sophia move as much during this last pregnancy. So I was always a little like, what's going on? Yeah. 36 weeks, we have the placement of my placenta checked. Baby's breach. Mm. 36 weeks. (laughs) I just like, ah. I have chills all over my body right now. Just saying it out loud. I I let I my husband didn't come with me because it was supposed to be just a quick check of the placenta. And I just Oh, I felt so defeated. I broke down crying and called my midwives, but I took a day to just feel really crappy and sorry for myself. Yeah. And then I decided to do something about it. I was like, you know what? I prepared so hard for this. I'm not just going to give up this last four weeks, right. five weeks, whatever. Right. Um, again, so lucky to be where I am. I declined an ECV, external cephalic version. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Where mm-hmm. they manipulate your belly to move the baby. With our first, because my OB just straight up told me, I'm going to want an epidural place. We're going to numb you, give you muscle relaxers. Mm. And by the way, I have like a less than 10% success rate. So I was like, "Mm, 
I'm not going to do that. But this time around, my midwives knew another home birth midwife that has her own acupuncture and chiropractic practice, Mm. as well as delivering babies. Yes. And breach babies. Not well, I did find her breach home birth midwives, but she does ECVs and is incredibly successful. Awesome. So I went to her office at 38 weeks. I had done spinning babies has uh, the information's all free on their website, but they have like a specific program where you can pay a little bit of money to just have it yeah. all in one sheet. Uh-huh. So my husband helped me do like some belly sifting. And I did all these things for six days, which is supposed to give more space in the womb. Not always going to turn the baby because she didn't turn, but also mm-hmm. just create that extra space to help the ECV have a higher success rate. Right. So we get there and one of my midwives came with me, which was so lovely. We brought some oil. The midwife put some, those darn needles in my pinky toes and Mm, left us for, left us for like 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, Alicia just massaged my belly and we talked to the baby and Mm. it was actually really beautiful. Um, I took Sounds some really like deep it. breaths and while it was incredibly intense and I ended up with bruising like around my rib cage because she got Sophia transverse and then whoop, she like slipped back. Yeah. So we had to do a second go and I was really worried it wasn't going to work, but she just like had this, some kind of magic. And she, I remember like the rhythmic rocking when I knew she was just getting to the head down position yeah. and when my heart is even racing, just retelling the story. So when she gets her head down, I literally just, oh, I just busted in tears of relief and like disbelief. Yes. And then I sat on a stool and she checked the baby's heart rate and her heart rate never dipped. And I just accredit that to me being so calm. I talked to her mm-hmm. um, and I practiced for like five months at this point doing this meditation and breath work. And so it was just, it was such a crazy, amazing experience. And I ended up going into labor on her due date during my like uh, meditation I had even tried to plan, like, you can't plan, but like in my mind, I was like, I'd love to go into labor when the older two are asleep and they wake up to a new baby sister. And um, I went into labor just as the kids were going to sleep. It picked up really quickly. I had the tub, but we didn't have time to fill it up. So I was in my tub. I ended up getting out and we called the midwife around 3 a.m. Midwife and doula got there between 4 and 4.30. And I was on the bed at this point, and I remember feeling this just, I don't even know how to describe it right at this point, but it was just such an intense feeling in my back. Mm -hmm. I now know it was her coming through the birth canal, but I screamed and I was like, somebody squeeze my hips. And I can't remember how many hours, but instead of like doing the tapping, like I did with my other, Mm -hmm. when I was unmedicated at the time, I was like... It was really crazy. I was like in this really low, I was so loud. I can't believe the kiddos didn't wake up. And I was like, I can do this with this like really low voice, like trying to bring the baby down and And opening your throat. I was was such a low, almost like a growl. And it was either I can do this or I got this. And I would, I just, I felt it in my body, Megan. I was like, this is happening. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Um, They somehow got me off my bed because they wanted me to move. I think they could tell I was getting ready to push. And I was like, I can't do it. So the three of them somehow helped me to the short walk into my bathroom. This big birth tub is in there with four adults. And um, 
they get me to sit down on the toilet and I'll never forget this. My doula who also was a VBAC mama and my acupuncturist for both of my, my second and third pregnancy, she came to be our doula and she, I was completely naked also, which I never thought would happen, but that's just what happened. She swipes like my sweaty hair off my face and told me how beautiful I looked. And I just, I don't, I can't even describe how that just changed everything. Cause I was feeling really scared. And I said, at one point I was like, I don't think I can do this. Yeah. And those women just, um, I could not have done it without their presence there. So anyways, I sit on the toilet. I hear this really loud pop, my water released. And then the rest of it was kind of just like a blur. She'd only checked Sophia's heartbeat twice. I didn't have one vaginal exam and here I am. And my baby's getting ready to be born. Yeah. Um, They asked me to stand up and I was like, not happening. So my husband, I'm holding on with one arm on my husband, my doula on the other. And I actually sunk my teeth into my doula's arm as I was standing up. It was so intense. I was bit one time as a doula. Oh my gosh. She was like, did I bite you or did I imagine that? I'm like, yeah, you did. That's okay though. She bit into my hand. She grabbed my hand and then. It's just such a primal thing. I mean. You're not really in control. Just yeah. things happen. That's and what she said. She's like, I like thought I maybe did it, but then I thought maybe I imagined it. Crazy. I um actually felt the same way. I was like thinking about it. And then I did weeks later apologize to her, but it was just yeah. like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. So Sophia was born so quickly. Uh, when I stood up, I was just, my legs were shaking. I had oh, my yeah. husband and my doula. And Alicia was like, do you want to reach down and touch your baby? And I just couldn't gather the strength to let someone's arm go. So I said, no. And then she offered to let my husband catch her. And I was like, you're not going anywhere. He's holding me up. (laughs) And I really thought that I pushed for a long time, but she told me it was less than five minutes. She She just came right out, had a nuchal cord really short cord too. And she was just placed directly on my belly and they helped me walk from there to the bed. And I just couldn't believe I did it. I, it was so surreal. And then I went through this, like I had really bad shakes after, and they said, it's just the hormones and totally, but it was wild. I felt so cold. So they had popped towels in the dryer for me and got me all warm Warm, and, um, Wow. Just what a crazy experience. And Megan, the second vasectomy worked. <laughs> oh, well that, see this baby girl, she just wanted to be in your she, family. She not even kidding. She just made our little family complete. So complete. She really you wanted to be here. Yeah, she really didn't want to be with us. Our sweet oh. Sophia. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that too, that you were like all in this bathroom, just everybody hands on right there and you could feel their strength obviously yes amazing and then just boom baby's Mm -hmm. out i still can't believe it intact perineum both births actually intact perineum (laughs) i I think that has something to do with like position and control as well totally gravity was so in my favor Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and then not being stuck on your back in that crazy position Mm -hmm. right yes which goes against all the laws of gravity and yeah you don't really want to being on your back is hard Uh, but for epidural it's kind of only choice you really have unfortunately yeah yeah 
for sure. Well, I mean, they can move like side to side, but it's mm-hmm. a lot of the time the providers or even a squat, but a lot of times providers don't feel comfortable with that. Of course. Yeah. They want you they in a really don't yeah. back position. Yep. I totally understand, which is sad for <laughs> biologic. What do they call it? Biological birth or, um, Oh, I can't think of the word right now, but no, I was going to say physiological. Yes. Thank you. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Physiological. Yes. Yeah. No. Yes. Anyway. And yes, that is to also to say like, if you guys are wanting an epidural, if you're listening Mm -hmm. and you're like, you know, you can still fight for other positions, like speak up and you know, like, like she was saying like in, in the OR, right? Like we wish that we could, it's just hard. Like we want we're here in our heads saying things, but we can't vocalize it. Articulate. And so if you, yes, if you are one of those people that feel like you would get there, I was too. My doctor was also in the OR talking about how sad they were that it was snowing outside, oh, right? And how they just got back from Hawaii. And I was just nice. like, oh, you know, but have someone else on like your, your birthing partner, right? Your husband or your doula or someone else there say, Hey, I know that this would mean a lot to her and communicate that, that, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. You absolutely can and should. (laughs) And should. And if you don't feel like you can articulate it or there's not someone with you, just move as much as you can. Right. Yeah. I should have mentioned, I did ask for a peanut ball and we rotated while I had the epidural back and forth. You know, they wanted me to push. I asked for some rest, didn't get great rest, but you can absolutely advocate for yourself and ask for what you want. And yes, doulas or birth partners, the one that get to be the quote, bad guy, All right. <laughs> let, them, let them do it. You do your thing and let somebody else do like the uncomfortable. The Let's awkwardness. Do it this way, please. Hey, yeah. 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 And like, we talked about like, I'm happy to be the bad guy. Like I'm happy to be the bad guy. And it's not bad for someone right. to just say right. something, but unfortunately, sometimes we're looking like the annoying ones, right? Absolutely. But I'll be annoying for you. <laughs> I um, love that. Well, congratulations. Thanks, Megan. And congratulations on the completion of your family. I mean, I usually would say that would suck to not have it work, but it sounds like it did not suck to have the vasectomy did not go you know, I, through. It's perfect. Exactly what you needed. I quite possibly might have the world's best husband. So I wouldn't have done it had I not married him. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, congratulations. Is there Thank anything, you. is there anything, you know, you talked about how the second or well, the second VBAC, the third pregnancy, you really focused more on the mental aspect, right? And, mm-hmm. and this is where it's really hard because we want to find this balance between like physically and educationally preparing for our VBACs but then also emotionally preparing. And so is there anything that you, I mean, it sounds like you did a lot, right? But is there anything specific where you're like, this is something that I did that I truly felt I carried through my entire birth? Definitely believing in myself. Uh, When you have that self-efficacy, it's um, nothing can really stop you. And Mm -hmm. it is important to prepare physically as well, uh, because our bodies go through a very physical process. It is physically taxing to be pregnant and then give birth, regardless Mm -hmm. of how your baby enters the world. Yep. So just finding that balance of is also don't want to overwhelm yourself because I get overwhelmed really easily. So I just picked one main thing to focus on and where I found the most strength was just reading all the birth stories. And listening to the podcast, listening to your podcast, I 
I even went in the Facebook community, uh, uh, your Facebook group, and told my son's birth story and just sharing things because you really aren't alone. There is somebody else going through it. You can mm-hmm. find your little village of people. Yes. Um, and my biggest thing is I also didn't entertain any negativity. If I talked about I'm going to have my baby at home or getting the looks or, ooh, is that oh, safe? Oh, yeah. I just... I ended up, I'm such a like, let me tell you why I'm right kind of person. Right. (laughs) I chose silence at that point. I was like, I believe in myself. I know I can do this. And I just kind of put a wall up, if you will, to any of that negativity and just know the facts. Plenty of great information on your website. I just like, I, I knew all the statistics and I was like, so educated. And when I ended up in the hospital, it worked to my benefit because I was able to advocate yeah, myself, especially with your um, team changing and crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Believe in Believe yourself. Women of strength. Yes. Women of strength. You are strong and you can do it. You can get through anything. And it's okay if plans change. Totally. It Mine really did is. several times. <laughs> but it's also know that if plans change, that doesn't mean that everything is just out the window, right? It doesn't have to be that way. And we know that sometimes things happen, right? And it feels like everything just went out the window yeah. and it feels defeating and frustrating, but know that there are still options. There are still options. Always. And you are strong. <laughs> Interested in sharing your VBAC? Head over to the vbaclink.com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, the worldwide database for VBAC doulas and more, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.